Does anyone have an intro? I don't, I don't have an intro. Can I order an intro? An intro with a side of fries? No tomatoes. Perfect. Welcome to A Culinary Journey. I'm joined by the amazing chef, Amanda Freitag. We chat about her inspiring positivity, lessons learned, and how food brings people together. From serious topics to pizza toppings, it's all on the menu. I'm Michael Gallion, and this is Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda, a podcast about embracing your true self with the one and only dancing blue shirt guy. I cannot believe Amanda Freitag chatted with me. Over a year ago, I somehow landed the gig of working on the set of Chopped for Food Network for two seasons where I got to meet the sweet Amanda Freitag, and now I'm interviewing her? What is my life? What is my life? So stay tuned to listen to this incredible, incredible episode, which is brought to you by Alchemy Cigar Lounge in the heart of Knoxville. Opening soon, you can enjoy one of their hundred of different cigar selections in their beautiful Spanish cedar walk-in humidor. Doesn't that sound rich? I know it does. They have memberships available for all of the cigar enthusiasts, but even if you're not a cigar person, they have beautiful cocktails and sipping spirits for your enjoyment. So please join me at Alchemy Cigar Lounge, opening soon in downtown Knoxville. First of all, holy moly, thank you so much. This is like huge. I'm surprised I haven't cried yet because I cried when you said yes. So that's me. But <laughs> all right, let's get going. So hello, Miss Freitag. How are you? This is Amanda Freitag here, everyone joining me all the way from New York City. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. We finally got some sunshine and it's crispy fall weather. I can't wait to get out. Yeah, you all have been going through some some storms. Yeah, yes. we've not had a single drop go. of rain in weeks here. So, I'll send yeah, it to you. can I'll we send trade it for you. a second? <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. The first thing I want to do is talk about how I met you and kind of how you impacted a little bit of my life. So, for the people that don't know, I did work two seasons on Chopped when it was filming here in Knoxville during the beautiful COVID era. R.I.P. Goodbye, COVID. Um, But yeah, I was lucky enough to one season work on the art department and the second season work in the culinary department. And, um, you know, we had very light interactions. I had to wear a mask and a face covering and goggles, you know, so it was more like hazmat suits, but you all were so sweet. But, you know, they always say never meet your heroes, but luckily I don't listen to people. Um, so you were just always super kind, uh, very welcoming, very grateful to the culinary team. And my favorite memory was, you know, every Friday's raffle Friday <laughs> and $5, Friday. $5 Fridays. And I remember you bought like an arm's length or like a hundred dollars worth of tickets for the culinary <laughs> team. One Friday you were feeling fun and then we ended up winning. Yeah. So that day we all won like cash. I was like, yes, I love Amanda. She's the best. <laughs> But yeah, I want to. Th- I always get them. I get them with the cash. Right. That's how I bring <laughs> Just them. Win people over, right? <laughs> but I mean, that kind of takes me to my first question. You know, the world is a scary place sometimes these days, and we all have our daily burdens. How do you keep yourself light and bright and share that 
with others? <sighs> That's such a great question. And I'm actually really cognizant of mm-hmm. that every day because there is so much in the back, right? Everybody has their things going on. And that's one of the things I always try to remember. It's everybody has something, right? Everybody's carrying something around with them. That's why I always like to be really kind on set, uh, give props to the people who are working so hard, especially culinary and art. They don't always get the love. Mm. Um, And I think it's just, it's so cliche, but it's gratitude. It's just gratitude. I, I, you know, I feel lucky to do what I do every day. I don't even know what I do every day, but <laughs> I'm just lucky to be able to do it. Yeah. And I, you know, again, with the COVID thing, sometimes that little bit of a stop and that breath kind of makes you aware of what you truly have, what you truly miss, what you truly need. And, you know, there were many, 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 many bad things that came out of COVID, but there was a lot of good in that world. There was a lot of good. And I, you know, I hate to make New York the epicenter of, of my world, but it really is. And, you know, it was very intense mm-hmm. here as is anything in New York. Right. So I've been through a lot of tragedies here in New York and that was, that was different. That was really eye opening. That was, um, very grounding. Sure. Um, and, uh, I think it changed a lot for a lot of people, especially living in, in New York city, especially the way we live on top of each other. Yeah. We all live on an Island. You know, I think it changed a lot for, for people forever in, in positive ways as well. For sure. For sure. I mean, there's not much room for six feet distance in New York. Right. <laughs> nope. We learned a lot. We learned yeah. a lot. Oh, and you know, I think, uh, listening to a lot of your interviews. And I agree with you that food brings joy to so many people. And that's what connects a lot of people. You know, that's how you can share your love. Um, So I kind of wanted to ask you that, you know, a lot of people also think that food and cooking is generally intimidating, or that high end food is intimidating, or good food is intimidating. Um, But obviously, you have your cookbooks, you have your cooking shows, you have Easy AF, which is the smartest name for a cooking (laughs) show. I mean, so smart. I wish I could take full credit for it. (laughs) When I started working, working with my marketing manager, who's about 20 years younger than I am. He was like, wait a minute. And I was like, oh my God, I'm cool. It took me forever (laughs) to figure out what AF meant in general. And then Amanda Fry yeah, with that part too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why do you, um, <laughs> why do you think people initially have fear around food and why is it important to you to help break that fear? You know, I think, I think, cause I can relate to it. When I first started my culinary career, it was only European chefs mm. that I was around and being taught by. And I think that was something very foreign in America at that time. Cooking was just blue collar labor. Yeah. It wasn't a highly regarded career. And, um, the people who were successful in it in America were French chefs that were doing extremely high dining that seemed inaccessible, Sure, you know? And so throughout my career, um, I, I tried a lot of different styles of food. And I think what resonated with me the most was the stuff that was simple yet elegant, you know, simple yet deceivingly, uh, difficult, right? Like to make a simple flavorful dish is a lot harder than you think, but it's also a lot easier than you think. And I, I, I obviously know that people are spending more time in kitchens mm-hmm. now for many different reasons, but 
you know, it was just restaurant life before and people going to restaurants to get that kind of a meal. And now people understand food so much more. And I think there's still an intimidating factor. I do a lot of cooking demos. I do a lot of teaching. In lockdown, I did a lot of virtual Mm -hmm. classes. And I think the thing that people want to see is the simple stuff. You know, people will back me up and say, hey, wait, can you show me how to cut that onion? I don't really know how to do it. You know, and I feel like if I can keep myself open, then they will ask those questions, you know, where they wouldn't before if you, if you walked in with a, right. an air or an ego. So I am, I'm welcoming everybody into my kitchen. I want you to cook. I've had a lot of, you know, mistakes made over the years and it's really hard to cook at home. I'm not going to lie. I don't love it. I grew up in restaurants, stainless steel, yeah. commercial kitchens, very different than what goes on at mm-hmm. home. Very different. Yeah. And you don't have to do a lot of the cleanup afterwards either <laughs> in a restaurant. <laughs> I always say like when you're cooking at home, you have to, yeah. you have to shop for yeah. it. You have to schlep it home. You have to prep it. You have to cook it. You have to serve it to your judgy family <laughs> and then you have to clean it. You yeah. know, that's a lot. I give a lot of props to the home cooks who do this five, six, seven days Correct. a week. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I agree with you. I, you know, I tried a little bit of a web series of a cooking show back in the day that I'm trying to maybe revitalize, but it is about the simple things, the cutting of the onions, the just sauteing and some people not even knowing what saute means. I'm like, do you not watch, watch food network every day? Like I do, like, how do you not, but it's just taking it back to simple. Um, I learned from Rachel Ray. She was probably one of the first ones that I kind of was like, okay, this, this was, you know, early two thousands when food network kind of took that twist and gave it more to the home chef. Um, and I was like, oh, everything's just an equation. You saute, you deglaze, you add a vegetable, you're done. And that was simple to me. Yeah. Right. And then you just plug in different proteins and different meats. But, um, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting to me when it's intimidating, but it's also so easy to just turn that corner for people. Um, it is. And what's the worst thing that could happen? Truly. What's the worst thing that could happen if your dinner got messed up? There's always pizza. Call for takeout. (laughs) Go to... You go to Adopo, my favorite uh, pizza place in Knoxville. <laughs> good shout out. It is so good. Oh, yeah. Or Amelia's. Those were our two faves. Same. You know. Same. Yeah. Oh. Um, so that, you know, I just say get in there. Really just get in there because nine times out of 10, you're going to impress yourself. You really are. And like you've also mentioned, the ingredients have changed and evolved and that's available here in America. Like it used to have to go to specialty stores or order it, you know, via mail order, not even online. But now right. there's full aisles or full shops, especially in Knoxville. Now in New York, you've always had that corner right. shop that you could grab all the fun spices and interesting meats. We have, mm-hmm. we have. And I, you know, I learned a lot when I started going to green, the green market, you know, and I learned a lot about local and seasonal. And I learned a lot about ingredients that were grown, you know, right outside the city. That was a, a big learning curve for me at the beginning of my career, because I, again, we, we were French trained and French trained means if you want to have the perfect raspberry, you get it from (laughs) Chile in January and you have to have it because that's the dish, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's the way it goes. And then learning about that seasonality is, it changed my cooking completely, you know, and I think it made me fall in love with Italian cuisine or Mediterranean cuisine, which takes so much from seasonal. Yeah. It's so simple. It's all about the ingredients. Uh, yes. Now I'm hungry. Thanks. I'm hungry too. <laughs> What's for lunch? <laughs> Do you want to get out of here? Should we go grab lunch? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so now let's get to the serious questions. 
that was all warm up. That was that's that was your amuse bouche. That was your soup. Now we're moving on. As a restaurateur, a TV star, and a cookbook author, what's the one thing that you wish you could change? Wish you could have tried earlier, or the lesson you wish you learned first? Woo! It's the woulda, shoulda, coulda. <laughs> okay, number one, the change. Mm-hmm. What's one thing you wish you could have changed within your trajectory? It's so hard. Uh, And it could be simple. It could be silly. It could be meaningful. You know. Liking blue cheese. You could change that. I used I actually used to and I've sort of really grown I out read of that. liking kind of I moved through those yeah. things too where like yeah. eggs last year were not my thing and that used to be I loved eggs every day and I was like yeah yeah it's, isn't it funny how taste I don't changed. know if it was me in the pregnancy I, mean, I don't know what it was but my ta- my taste just changed <laughs> <laughs> now that you've had the baby no, you're yeah I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> um I you know I think what I would have changed is I probably would have spent a little more time in the dining room. Ooh, yeah. Honestly, like I, I was very focused and I was very much hands-on. And I think I missed a lot by not meeting the guests. Mm-hmm. I did. I met a lot of people, but not as many as I should have, you know? And I think I was always afraid to step away from the kitchen because something might happen right. or the impression that look at the chef, she's in the dining room or whatever it may be. Uh, I would have spent more time with the, with the guests for sure. I could understand that where I think back in the, in the day, back in the day where if the chef yeah. was in the, in the dining room, so what is, what is he doing? You're not with the common people. Get, get, go cook my food. Yeah. Right. But it's flipped now. 100%. I mean, the, uh, the, your diners want to see you there. They want to interact with you. And I think I, I should have done a little bit more of that. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll hear feedback now from restaurants where I used to work from people like, I loved the Harrison or I love Verbena. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know you went there. Yeah. You know, so I feel like I could have networked more those connections and talked to people more um, that way. Cause I was always so right. focused on the plate so in front of you. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the change. Mm-hmm. Which what's, what's the, the one thing you wish you would have tried earlier? Ooh. Because uh, I'm, you know, at 41, just learning to try new things, say yes to things, stop being no. I don't do that. Like why? Why do right. you not do that? Um, I think I would have tried to give myself a little more time to explore and travel. I worked constantly and, you know, I think it's good to travel when you're younger. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, you can get a lot more out of it. Taking just little nuggets of time and traveling always adds something back to me. I always feel like I've learned something. It gets me inspired to see more. Um, And then I always want to try what I ate or try an ingredient or a spice that I learned about. So I, I learned a lot, obviously hands-on in my career, but I feel like I should have taken time to travel a little bit more. Do you think I should have tried taking some time off? Right, Try that. Do you think that pressure came? Obviously there is so much pressure within the chef world or was it because you were a woman in the chef world? 
Uh, it, you know, what was it I late nineties when you were school? Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's a little bit of both because I started out, you know, my whole restaurant career was in New York mm-hmm. and, um, it was restaurants were extremely competitive then and they still are, but it was a different world. Um, it was newspapers and mm-hmm. magazines and print, uh, over social media. And it was, uh, it was you cutting your teeth, making your mark, working for the chefs that you wanted to work for and working your way up the yeah. ladder. It was truly, nobody was doing it any differently. Right. Everybody was the same. So if I wanted the saute position at, at John George's restaurant, I had to make sure that I spent this much time on garmage and then I could get to saute and I couldn't, there was no time to spare in between. Right. You know, it's like, I, I'm getting to this position. Now I have to get to this, but I had a very linear idea of how to do it. And to me, taking a break (laughs) was, would throw the whole thing off, right? Like I would become irrelevant and I would miss the opportunities and I wouldn't be a part of it. Like, I think I was always so afraid to get out of it because then somebody Mm -hmm. else would just jump right in, whether male, female, not like it was just the chef world at that time. So yeah. cutthroat. Yeah. Yes. Uh, extremely competitive. And, and, and that was just inside of the restaurants, right? Yeah. Like speaking of like, if we go now talk about food network stuff, like I didn't realize I was head to head competitive, you know, I was competitive to get with myself to get to my next position. When I worked at a restaurant, we were competitive to be the best, yeah. but then I never realized I was competitive person to person as well. Yeah. You got to have a certain fire for that because at some point it's just like, all I want to do is make food. <laughs> like, why do I have to, tr- you know, like, why do I have to fight these people for this? You know, <laughs> it's very different. And that's, what's nice to step away from American ideals mm-hmm. for a minute and tuck yourself into a European culture that really believes in the three hour lunch, oh. you know, and the five day work mm-hmm. week <laughs> and, you know, really sitting down for a meal. And a quality of life. Just, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You learn from other cultures what's missing in yours. Yeah. And still they're so productive and still so happy. Interesting right. twist. Hmm. <laughs> Should we? Hmm. Eh, why would we learn from someone else? Why would we do that? <laughs> so speaking of Wait. that, what lessons do you wish you would have learned earlier? Oh, okay. I'm still learning this lesson, but I think it would have really benefited me to be more confident Mm -hmm. earlier Mm -hmm. on in my career um, and more cognizant of how great it was, what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I never, um, I never thought it was enough. I never thought it was good enough. I just never thought I was even running with uh, the peers that I'm amongst now. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't see it. Right. It's all about perspective. I have a little bit of success dysmorphia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a little imposter syndrome and I had it pretty bad when I was a, you know, a cook, a chef, all of that. I have it a little less now, but I still have it when, I have fans that come up to me and say, I love what you do. I love watching you. And I'm like, 
Okay. Wait, me? I get it. I get it, you but I don't them? get it. Or, yeah. Right. Or if I have somebody like, you know, somebody, a musician that I admire come up to me and say, I'm a fan of yours. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, how does that even happen? How do you know who I am? So uh, I have a little bit of dysmorphia that way. So I wish I would have learned to have a bigger perspective about how, how really, uh, admirable mm-hmm. it was what I was doing and how, how good I was at it yeah. really. And that's something I think society is allowing us to learn more recently. Yes. And cause I was the same way. That's why I took 20 years to get on the path that I wanted to be on because it was, you're good enough for this area. You know, you're the best dancer right. in Delaware. Don't leave Delaware. Right. You know? Right. So then I come here and I'm like, I can't, I'm not that good. Nobody likes me. What am I doing? Go get a real job. Right. Yeah. And you're not allowed to be proud of yourself. You're not allowed to be self-confident because that makes you pompous or arrogant and, you know. Right. Or, or then, you know, you slip up, Mm -hmm. right. And then you don't go to the next level. And, but I wouldn't trade the 20 year chunk of time for anything now, you know, and I I think so many people in this next generation are going to miss out because they're not getting all that good stuff. You know, you're going to miss out on those experiences. You never know what's right around the corner. You think you're done with that job or that restaurant or that person. And it's like life just constantly surprises you. Right. And there's no worse enemy than ourselves because we're the ones stopping ourselves. But yeah, those, those 20 years that I took away from my real life, my real joy. Yeah. yeah, I wish this person was there to see that, you know, be like, what are you doing? Come on, brother. Just come out of that. <laughs> but that's the joke of life. And I don't think I really even understood some of these phrases mm-hmm. like youth is wasted on the young. What does that even mean? <laughs> like now I understand. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> now I get it. Why? Why does it take, why does it take a tragedy? Why does it take a shutdown? Right. Why does it take an aha moment? But at least we got there or we're getting there. We're here. We're at least we're on here. the train getting to the destination. <laughs> that's right. Before we were just we're afraid to get on the train, but Ah, <laughs> uh, what a good conversation. I love that. That's a, yeah. yeah, some good some good nuggets in there for sure. Well, Amanda, again, thank you so much for talking with us. Thanks, Michael. Yes, Hopefully I'll see you soon. Sounds good. I'll see you in New York. You don't have to come here. I'll come to you. <laughs> we'll have pizza. Please. Pizza and a drink. All right. A big thanks to our sponsors, Alchemy Cigar Lounge and Pride Socks. And let's be honest, I'm just the talent. They pay the bills. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information on these amazing brands. You can also head to my website, dancingblueshirtguy.com, to connect with our sponsors, become a sponsor, or to find me on any of my social channels. Please feed my ego. Thanks for listening to Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda. I'm Michael Gallion, and it's an honor to share these stories with you. Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda is a Palm Tree Pod Coke production. The executive producer is Anthony Palmer. Our associate producer is Garrett Wright. Thanks to our digital team, Emily Miles and Caitlin Krings. Content for this episode is created by the one and only Michael Gallion. You're welcome.